Next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. After this message. Are you getting enough CBD each day? Hemp Meds carries the most trusted CBD oil brands like Real Scientific Hemp Oil and Dixie Botanicals to make it easy to add cannabinoids like CBD to your diet. We hold all our hemp oil products to our rigorous triple lab tested standard to ensure that you and your family receive only the highest quality and most reliable CBD products. Hemp Meds is your trusted source for CBD. Visit hempmeds.com to get our premium CBD oil today. Use discount code CBD20 to get 20% off your first order. You're busy running around from work to kids to evening events. Healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with Helterra for only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids. By the way, you can eliminate doctor office visits with 24/7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. Helterra.com. And now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the Cannabis Reporter, Snowden Bishop. Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, and happy to be here with you today. A couple of months ago, we interviewed Mara Gordon, who has spent nearly two decades researching and working with patients to help them determine optimal cannabis formulations specific to their disease profiles. She spent a great deal of time working with cancer patients in particular, who've experienced incredible results by combining conventional cancer treatment with cannabis protocols. Most people understand that medical marijuana works to deal with adverse side effects of chemotherapy, including pain, nausea, and loss of appetite. We also know that cannabis works even better than synthetic pharmaceuticals for certain neurological and autoimmune conditions. But what I find most interesting is that cannabis is helping to improve patient outcomes when combined with conventional treatments. As Mara explained, she's finding this approach increases odds that a cancer patient can survive beyond average life expectancy for later stages of the disease. It makes sense when you consider that cannabinoids have natural anti-inflammatory, neuroprotective, and restorative qualities, which can mitigate debilitating side effects of toxic synthetic drugs. With more and more patients becoming aware of the benefits of medical marijuana, the need for informed medical expertise is at an all-time high. Of course, no pun intended. Navigating cannabis treatment, especially when undergoing traditional drug treatment for life-threatening conditions, is especially daunting for new patients. Finding medical doctors to talk about cannabis options is even more challenging. To answer the growing demand for patient guidance, Mara put her theories and research into practice. She was instrumental in forming Calispring Wellness, a holistic health clinic in Northern California where patients can access a number of integrative health physicians who are knowledgeable about cannabis therapies. 
that's the topic of today's show, and we are very fortunate to have two of these medical doctors with us today. But before I introduce them, Dr. Brian Donner has our Medical Marijuana Minute. What do you have for us today, Dr. Donner? Thank you, Snowden. Happy to be here. Really, I've only scratched the surface when it comes to learning the many ways cannabis can help patients. Physicians and researchers are only just beginning to understand how and why it works so well to address root causes of certain conditions, as opposed to treating the symptoms alone. We are also learning that cannabis affects everyone differently. How and why has been a medical mystery that scientists are just now beginning to understand. There is no doubt that more clinical trials are needed to help doctors and patients navigate the science of cannabis and its benefits to human health. Physicians and clinical providers, we have an obligation to our patients to be able to understand this, to at least on some level, to be able to work with them and to be able to answer their questions and to be able to help to try to guide them. We've had research out there. It's really encouraging and showing these, but we really need to fine-tune that and take that to the, the next level as well. When you look at this uh, broken down sort of the, ba the basic science of, of the cannabinoid system versus the clinical uh, effects of how we're trying to, to modulate that essentially, I think we might have a better handle on, uh, on if you look sort of the, the physiological, the biochemical, really breaking it down sort of on the molecular level, but really how that uh, quantifies out into what type of effects do those have physiologically. I think we, we don't have quite a, as good of a grasp on that. I think that, that that's so, so important to be able to really try to, to educate and open the mind to not only physicians, but medical students and researchers. This is a time in our country that this will happen once. And, and us as, as clinicians and, and researchers, we're able to take part of this and really have an impact on how things are laid out in, in the future. And to me, as a physician and as a researcher, I find that fascinating and, and very fulfilling. I'm Dr. Brian Donner for the Cannabis Reporter. I'll be back again next week with another edition of the Medical Marijuana Minute. Back to you, Snowden. Thank you so much, Dr. Donner. We look forward to hearing from you again next week. Ah, so let's get started. I'd like to introduce our first guest, Dr. Joe D. Goldstrich. He's been practicing medicine since 1964 and attained fellowships in metabolism, diabetes, and cardiology. He's worked with the American Heart Association and the Pritikin Longevity Center and helped found the free clinic in Dallas. He is a big believer in the power of natural medicine combined with nutrition and concentrated nutritional supplements to support healing and longevity. I'm so happy you could be with us today, Dr. Joe. Hi. Hi. Thank you again. I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. And next, I'd like to introduce Dr. Harry McElroy. He became an acupuncturist before going to medical school. And today, he's an integrative physician certified with the Institute of Functional Medicine. Before medical school, completion of the residency at Contra Costa Regional Medical Center, his background in nutrition led him to an interest in natural healing. He has a master's degree in acupuncture and Chinese medicine and strives to provide patients with health tools that empower them to improve their overall well-being. So thank you, Dr. Harry, for being here. I'm glad you could join us as well. Yes. Hi. Glad to be here as well. So, Dr. Joe, I want to start with you because you became a doctor when the war on drugs was just getting started. And the green closet is, is sort of something that I refer to quite a bit <laughs> because 
you know, there are so many physicians who, even now with all we know, are just really not um, able to or just afraid to deal with cannabis treatment with their patients and often refer them out to, you know, either other clinics or healthcare practitioners who are just learning about cannabis, but it's really unusual to find doctors who are willing and able to really talk about cannabis with their patients, you know, in, in conventional treatment settings. So I'm really interested to learn how you became interested in integrating cannabis into your medical practice, just as a starter. We could probably take the whole hour if I told that story in, in detail, because cannabis has been an interest of mine since I was a teenager. And um, uh, in fact, I was just this past week, I was thinking about when I was a, uh, a, a young cardiologist in the early 70s, uh, I, I was interested in cannabis then, and I read a book by Andy Weil, Dr. Andrew Weil, called The Natural Mind. And it was, Dr. Wilde explained uh, about cannabis and expanding consciousness. And it was the first time in my life that I did not feel like a criminal because I, I thought that there was value to cannabis. Uh, that said, I did not have any inkling at that time of the vast medical impact that cannabis could have on so many different diseases. And, 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 and I was surprised. I, I remember that in, in about, about 10 years ago, I saw an article um, by a, a company called Cannabis Science, and they had, they had a case of an individual with a, a skin cancer, and, and that, that patient put the cannabis oil on the skin cancer, and, and it went away. And I thought, that's just amazing. I would have never thought that that could be possible. And, and uh, a few years later, uh, well, let me back up. About that time, I retired uh, from my practice as a cardiologist. I didn't, didn't practice real cardiology. I didn't like the cath lab. It, it always made me nervous. So I tried okay. to teach people how to prevent their atherosclerosis and how to eat well and exercise and take good care of themselves. But nonetheless, I was old enough to retire. And uh, I was, um, uh, the, the, the way that I saw this piece from Cannabis Science was I was looking for something to do because retirement didn't agree with me. I, I was bored and, and, and didn't know what to do with myself. So one of the things that I played with uh, uh, around that time was day trading. And this company, Cannabis Science, got a big boost in, in, in stock sales after they showed these uh, reports of, of uh, cannabis oil curing or, or making skin cancer go away. And, and uh, so, uh, but, but I didn't really stay with the, the, the day trading very long. That, wasn't, that okay. wasn't really who I was. And about 2012... I uh, saw an ad for a job in, uh, in Southern California to work in a clinic that gave medical cannabis uh, recommendations. And I, and I applied for that job and they accepted me and I went, went to that clinic and 
I lasted six days because it just wasn't what I wanted to do. It was people that really didn't have significant medical issues coming in to try to get the card so they could get high. And, and, and I don't have any real problem with that, but it's just not what I wanted to do. So I sort of put the cannabis on the back burner again, uh, but I continued to scout and look for opportunities to enter the field. And, and a few years later, I saw a, a job position uh, from a company in California called Medican. Uh, Dr. Uh, Jean Talleyrand was looking for somebody, and he said he had the most ethical clinic in California. And, um, and so I applied for that job, and I went out and I interviewed with him and, and, and talked to patients for three days. And they were real patients. They had real problems. And, and they were telling stories of how cannabis helped them. And I said, I want to learn more about that. So I signed on, and I spent a year uh, 2014 in, in Oakland in, in a clinic that gave the recommendations. And most of those patients were, were sick people that were using cannabis. And I learned, I learned a lot from those patients. They taught me how to use cannabis. However, at the end of that year, I realized that even though I knew the conditions that cannabis could be helpful for, I really didn't know how to, how to, help people use it in, in the way that I wanted to help people uh, as a physician who, who, who can make a, 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 a definitive recommendation. And, and so I, um, I'm going to back up a, a, again a little bit. So during that year, 2014, I joined a, an organization called the Society of Cannabis Clinicians. And, uh, at one of their quarterly meetings, Mara Gordon spoke, and she showed her slides of patients whose brain cancers were shrinking with cannabis. And she talked about therapeutic protocols, and that's what I was looking for, was therapeutic protocols. So later in 2014, I actually heard Mara speak again at a conference in Denver. And so after that second time that I heard her speak, I realized that what she was doing was what I wanted to do. So I contacted her and asked her if she would uh, teach me how to do what she did. And uh, I, I actually had to, to uh, pester her for about three months before she <laughs> finally agreed to do it. And, and, and so in 2015, I spent about nine months uh, on the phone with Mara as she did her consultations, just listening to what she did and analyzing the way that she made her, uh, her therapeutic recommendations. And then beginning in 2016, I started doing that uh, uh, with Calispring Wellness on my own and uh, have continued to do that to this day. Yeah, Mara's research in this area has just been phenomenal. I mean, I've heard her speak a couple of times, and that's how I, I wound up approaching her to be on this show, because I, she's such a wealth of information. And, you know, even though it's not something that the FDA would look, look at and say, oh, yes, that's a clinical study, I mean, she has the data to prove, you know, the anecdotal data to prove that this, this treatment works. And... 
anyway, it's it's fascinating. So um, well, <laughs> good for you for getting in touch with her because I know that you know with anybody like that, it's very difficult because there are there are so few people, or there were, and it's starting to grow now. But there were so few people like her out there, and and you know it's really important that she has you and. Uh, Dr. Harry as well, you know, there by her side and the other clinicians who are um, also on board there. So, Dr. Harry, tell me how you became interested in cannabis as an alternative treatment. Sure, absolutely. And I appreciate I got some history from from Dr. Joe's uh, talk there, right, too. So it was nice to hear that that timeline. You know, I grew up in a, in a very uh, family rich in allopathic doctors, my dad and both my grandfathers. And <clears throat> came out to California from the Midwest and very quickly pivoted and decided I wanted to do more anthropology and and natural medicine and ended up graduating from college and going in and getting a master's in acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And, you know, at that time, half of that training was herbal medicine. And and some people know, but not everyone, that that cannabis is actually in the Chinese materia medica. It's uh, I'm going to I'm going to mess up on the intonation, but it's da ma. And um so the idea that that um, that cannabis has, has been around for a long time was interesting to me because I don't think that that was something growing up in America. It was really everything was in a in a recreational context, and so it was noted. It's not something that's really used that often. It's not a, a, a primary um, herb because it was mostly the hemp hemp um, uh, derivative um, in Chinese medicine. But anyway, acknowledging that there was um, a medical application that had been around for you know more than a thousand years, um, and then fast forwarding a little bit and getting out um, and and practicing um, in California doing Chinese medicine. And then I went to medical school actually in Arizona at the University of Arizona. Um, and and at that point in the, this was around 2005 or so, um, there was certainly no medical um, cannabis or marijuana in Arizona at that point. Um, and so I kind of just marched through the training and then came out to do my residency in family medicine at Contra Costa, as you mentioned earlier, which is in the East Bay and the San Francisco Bay um, area. And I started having patients come in saying, listen, I, I'm putting this salve on my knee. I'm maybe smoking um, this chemovar or strain of cannabis, or I'm taking this oil and I am i don't need as many opiates, right? And so, you know what, you can give me half the opiates this month um, and I'm going to continue using the cannabis. That really piqued my interest because that was a little bit of a far cry from the initial, you know, Prop 215 in 1996 when the, when the medical... Um, uh, marijuana got uh, passed, it was really more around ameliorating and treating the symptoms of, of HIV AIDS and um, and certainly cancer with the nausea and, and the pain along with that. Um, but this was someone coming in and saying, listen, this works really well for, um, for pain. I started having other patients come in and say, you know what, I'm using this, um, this strain here that's got more CBD in it to help with my anxiety. And so this whole, you know, to some degree, almost a Pandora's box of, of recognizing that all these other canals in in the um, cannabis plant had so many different um, uses and and potentialities and I thought that that was really intriguing more almost from the intellectual scientific side is like wow this is great this isn't just like here have some cannabis and it'll help with your nausea or, or help with your pain it's like wow what can we do by balancing and adjusting the ratios of these cannabinoids to really be um, more specific for the for the individual patient in front of you and so um, that that kind of got me roughly started and and as with a lot of things I wanted to learn more and so I had reached out to a, a friend of mine um, in in Oakland California who has a 
uh, one of the one of the best Chinese herb dispensaries, Ben Zappen, and said, you, you know, what, what do you know about this? Do you know other people that are using um, the cannabis more from a, a professional herbal standpoint? And he had pointed me through a couple different directions that ended up leading to Mara. Um, and we met and hit it off. And everything that has been said about her thus far is totally true. She's an amazingly um, intelligent woman, very driven and has this great background in process engineering. And so her her lens and how she's able to to you know really uh, um, accumulate this information and, and being able to to collate it into um, very workable um, usable uh, means is is I, I don't know anybody else who's been able to do it um, as well and so I had met her and then very shortly after I met um, Dr. Joe who really um, opened his uh, mind and heart and became a great mentor to me and has really um, you know continues to stay help me uh, along um, if I have questions with more complicated patients um, but but also um, operating independently and, and seeing patients via Calispring Wellness. And so that, that is it in a nutshell. And it's been a lot of fun and, and, and gets to be you know, more fun with each passing month. So what is, what's, the most, um, what's the most intriguing part of dealing with, with patients um, for, I mean, let me put it this way. When someone comes in and they're, you know, they may, someone may have recommended to them that they should try medical marijuana um, what is your first approach with a, a patient? Um, let's start with you, Dr. Joe. Well, all the patients that I see have sort of been, been screened in a way. They've screened themselves. They've decided that they want to use the cannabis. So I don't have to convince them that that's their decision. Most, most of the, I say that most of the people, there are a few that want to learn, will cannabis help me? And, uh, and, and I'm quite candid with them. If, if I think that there are better ways uh, to deal with their condition, I will tell them. I've had a long experience in, in natural medicine. I'm just thinking of a woman recently who, who uh, was found to have a pre-malignant polyp on colonoscopy. And uh, she wanted to know if cannabis was the best thing to, to use to, to make that polyp go away. And I said I would try a nutritional approach before I uh, embarked down the cannabis road. And, uh, and so I advised her on, on the supplements and, 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 and herbs that would be most likely to, to help her with that polyp. But, but th that's the, the exception. Most of the people come because they have cancer. They, they, uh, they know, for example, that they, they uh, have a very poor prognosis. Uh, there are some that come because they've been told there's nothing else that traditional medicine can do for them to go home and get their affairs in order. And, 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 and many of these cancer patients are desperate people that, that uh, are, are hoping that the cannabis will, will, will help them. And, 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 it, and it often does. It often yeah. does, thank God. Yeah, it's, it's really astonishing to me when I talk to cancer survivors, and I've had several on this show to talk about their experiences, and you know, several of them have told me you know, I was stage four, there was nothing more anyone could do for me, and you know, six months later, well after their, their, um, well after their life expectancy, according to their oncologists, they're there to tell the story of how these tumors are disappearing. And 
I, I find that really interesting, um, especially since the, the National Cancer Institute a while back uh, did some laboratory studies um, finding that, you know, different uh, cannabis, uh, different cannabinoids, I believe that it was just a combination, and they didn't really know how many cannabinoids were in the cannabis plant, but it would basically have just been, you know, a THC, CBD kind of combination, I guess, you know, in a laboratory setting with, um, with the cannabis actually working to kill the cancer cells in that setting. And no studies really have confirmed this in a human, se in a human clinical um, setting that I know about in the U.S. anyway, because it's just not been permitted. But it's really fascinating, you know, to hear this anecdotal evidence. I mean, Dr. Harry, are you finding that this is just opening your eyes to like a whole new, <laughs> whole new world of treatment? Yeah, absolutely. It's really been phenomenal on so many levels. And I, I think that part of it is is just in general, as a physician, when a patient comes in, the most important thing always is getting an appropriate history and seeing where they're coming from. And then depending on what the diagnosis is, that really can veer us in, in ways, as, as Dr. Joe was saying, you know, maybe cannabis can be a part of this protocol, but really we need to do some nutritional and lifestyle um, aspects that are going to be really helpful. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have people that are coming in with, you know, stage four metastatic disease and their oncologist says, listen, there's really nothing more um, uh, that we have to offer. And, and that's a, a very different conversation that you're having with the person um, as far as like how central the, the cannabis is going to be a part of their healing process. And, and so from that standpoint, it's incredibly varied. Um, it's a very rich experience um, as well because of, of how dynamic it can be. Um, but, then, but then also really diving in and saying, okay, well, if we do this ratio um, based on the genetics of your cancer, um, we're going to start with this protocol and see how you do. And just like in other things with oncology, it's, you know, we, we follow um, progress by symptoms and if symptoms get better for worse or, and then also by following up with scans and imaging. And so, I, you know, I really like that process of engaging in a relationship with the patient and, and following that through um, to whatever the end may be. Yeah, and how much do you think the um, the integrative approach of nutrition and cannabis combined with with actual traditional uh, cancer protocols? Um, how much do you think that the cannabis itself is really responsible for a lot of this healing versus, let's say, doing the traditional cancer treatment approach with uh, integrating nutritional changes and stuff like that? I mean. Have you noticed um, what the real differences are? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take that question. I, I, as time goes on, I, I've simplified my nutritional approach with patients uh, for, for several reasons. One, it turns out that, that in the last, let me back up and just say that, that all of the work, because Cannabis is a Schedule One drug. There are no clinical trials in this country, right. and, and, and there won't be until the scheduling changes, and, and, and it needs to change uh, it sooner rather than later. So we we're not, we're not going to see, we're not going to get the kind of clinical data that we have for, for, for pharmaceutical drugs uh, for cannabis in, in, in the near future. So what we have to do is cobble together the preclinical research that's been done 
uh, around the world. And there are thousands of articles in the medical literature, uh, peer-reviewed articles that have good science. They're done sometimes uh, with animals. They're done with uh, uh, cancer cell lines. They're done with the cancer cells that are implanted into animals, and then they're treated with, with cannabis. And we have to use this 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 clinical or this non-clinical research as preclinical research, and base our uh, approach with the patient, uh, and 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 how much cannabis to use, and and what what varieties of cannabinoids to use based on this preclinical research. So uh, uh, that's what we do. That's what we do on a daily basis. Now, it turns out that some of this preclinical research has shown that antioxidants will inactivate CBD's ability to kill cancer cells. CBD and THC are the two main cannabinoids that are, that are active against cancer. And the CBD is, is, is inactivated by antioxidants. So when I first started this work, I didn't know that. And I was prescribing a lot of supplements that have that have any cancer activity like curcumin, like, uh, like, like medicinal mushrooms, uh, melatonin, uh, all these vitamins that have antioxidant activity, vitamins and, and herbs. But I've stopped, I've stopped recommending those. In fact, I specifically tell people not to take those supplements because it may interfere with the action of the of the CBD. Wow. So I've simplified and boiled down my nutritional advice to patients to one simple guideline. Do not eat any sugar and 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 limit the number of foods, the number of carbohydrates that you eat that can be converted to sugar readily. And 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 that's because cancer cells preferentially use sugar uh, for energy. So if you can starve those cancer cells by limiting the sugar, then I think that's the most important nutritional uh, recommendation advice that I can give to my patients. So it's pretty much now uh, uh, using the cannabis. My experience is that when cannabis is combined with chemotherapy, there's a greater likelihood that the, the patient's tumor will will regress. And I've seen a number of patients who have failed on, on specific chemotherapies. And when cannabis has been introduced and this chemotherapy has also been reintroduced, the chemotherapy worked on the second time when it, when it didn't work the first go round when there was no cannabis on board. So the nutritional stuff is, is, is not as important for me uh, as it once was. Right. That's fascinating. This is, you know, I, I don't pretend to know everything about cannabis, but I, I'm a voracious reader and researcher when it comes to this sort of thing. And when I start talking about this on, on this show and writing about it online, I, you know, I try to research every aspect that I possibly can. And you are the first person who told me this about antioxidants. I had absolutely no idea. Do you have any idea why? Yes, I do. It turns out that the way that, that, that cannabidiol, CBD, uh, uh, induces cell death 
in the cancer cells is through a pro-oxidative mechanism. Now, that's not unlike many of the chemotherapies. They, they induce an oxidative state, and, and radiation uh, induces a, a, a pro-oxidative state. And high-dose intravenous vitamin C becomes a pro-oxidant when it's given in, in high dose. So oxidation is a, is a, is a, a tool that, that can kill cancer cells. And if you take antioxidants, you neutralize that tool. It's pretty oh, yeah. simple. Yeah. That is really fascinating. I'm, I'm definitely going to follow up and look into this because I think that a lot of people assume that combining antioxidants with, um, with cannabinoids of any kind would probably be a really good idea, but for cancer, maybe not. Very interesting. Uh yeah, and I agree with that as well. So, and part of that is just showing, you know, giving a nod to the complexity of this and not just to the complexity of the patient, but also, you know, what what is their diagnosis and how are we going to treat it? And so I think with cancer, um, I do, you know, much the same um, process as Dr. Joe. And I think he does the same in the sense that if we're working with insomnia or, or chronic pain, then that's a time where, you know, maybe I will have them um, add some melatonin, some magnesium um, to their bedtime ritual as far as getting to sleep, or if it's a chronic pain, doing some alpha-lipoic acid along with the THC. And so it really is, I think, pretty dynamic. And so it really, it, there's not a one-size-fits-all with this at all. Right, right. Well, it's, it's just so interesting because, you know, just in, it's counterintuitive what I've learned here. Because on the one hand, um, you know, a diet rich in antioxidants can help prevent cancer, as far as I know. Um, would you say that that's pretty accurate or is that, I, I don't really know. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, I've heard this and, and you know, uh, antioxidants are something that are promoted quite frequently in health circles and health publications and, you know, experts um, who write articles about these things, you know, get your antioxidants to keep yourself healthy and ward off, you know, debilitating disease. And so, yeah, this, it's very interesting. I'm definitely going to look into well, this. Well, I, I don't, I, I take, like, I take curcumin uh, and, and, and a number of other antioxidants, uh, but I don't have cancer and, and I'm not using cannabis to try to kill the cancer. So you have to, you have to, you have to, to be aware of everything that you put into your body and, 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 and know the ramifications. And, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that the, the researcher who has been, uh, 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 done the most work in this is, is a, a, a man named Eric Singer who works in, in Dr. Sean McAllister's lab at the Pacific Medical Center. If anybody wants to uh, look up the research and, and, and he, he's, been doing this research with the antioxidants and, and, and CBD for, for a couple of years now, and it has more articles in the, in, in the scientific literature than anyone else on this topic. Yeah, this is, it's, this is fascinating to me, and I think it's probably something that a lot of people might be really interested to hear because, I mean, I think cancer is one of those conditions that really attracts people into learning more about cannabis because, you know, the word gets out. That, that patients have been successful fighting their disease with, uh, with different cannabis protocols. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to look into this. I don't know. So 
and other diseases um, that you see quite frequently at uh, Calis Spring Wellness. Tell me about some of the other most common uh, conditions that people come in for. Well, I have a patient tomorrow who uh, has Crohn's disease. And if you, if you understand the pathology of Crohn's disease and know what those cells look like that are involved with, with the pathological process in the intestine, you, you, you will realize that every one of those cells, one of, every one of those inflammatory cells has a CB2 receptor on it, and THC binds to those CB2 receptors and can induce uh, uh, cell death in those, in those Crohn cells. I learned about, about the benefits of cannabis for Crohn's when I was working at, at Medican in, in 2014. I probably saw a couple of dozen Crohn's patients, and every single one of them told exactly the same story. They said, you know, uh, uh, all I have to do is take a couple of puffs and my... my uh, abdominal pain goes away almost instantly and um and it and it really helps me so but nobody none of these people were using cannabis oil on a daily basis to try to 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 do more than relieve the symptoms of their crohn's disease so uh if you take the oil in, in the same in the same way that someone with cancer would take the oil several times a day uh, over a long period of time, you can uh, you you can drastically improve the, uh, the 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 quality of life of these Crohn's patients. Wow, that that's pretty amazing because I know that um, the traditional pharmaceutical protocols for Crohn's, you know, it's like hit or miss with some people. Sometimes uh, you see people find relief and other times you don't. And, and they're with very strong medications that aren't, aren't necessarily great long-term options. I think that's the other, other thing, especially when we're um, working with GI complaints, whether it be Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. It really, if you can support the, the body through natural supportive means, that's, that's definitely, um, a, a, I think, a better approach, certainly for the patient than you know, long-term steroid use, which you might end up getting to relatively the same endpoint as far as symptom control, but from long-term you know, vitality. And, and health and wellness of the patient, it's much better if it can be, um, you know, an internally generated process um, through support rather than, than, you know, doing fairly strong um, drugs that are given, you know, externally um, to, to treat the symptoms. It's much more of addressing the flares and not really getting to the root. Right. So would a combination of, say, curcumin, which is also known not just for its antioxidant, but for the anti-inflammatory um, qualities... Uh, would the same thing apply there with combining, say, curcumin and, and cannabis uh, for treating an autoimmune problem like Crohn's? Joe, well, do you I want to speak? Yeah. Go ahead, Harry. Well, I was going to say, I, I typically on something like that, I often will start with more of a of a integrative, um, you know, always starting with the diet and lifestyle just as the as the cornerstone. And so, if someone's got you know intermittent um, uh, flares with Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, I mean, making sure that they're you know starting on a daily meditation practice of some sort, you know, at least ten minutes a day, just to have some quiescence to the nervous system, um, and that can really help uh, you know prevent flares. 
theirs, but then also making sure that they're on a whole foods diet. When we were talking about antioxidants earlier, the best place to get your antioxidants is from your fresh fruits and vegetables. And so really making sure that they're, you know, eating the rainbow, quote unquote, and, and, and having that be the foundation and then moving up that ladder, starting to work with some focused supplements, curcumin being one that I use, you know, a tremendous amount and, and the other one being essential fatty acids, whether that be, you know, an fish oil or if they're vegan, I use a, a marine algae oil. Um, and that really helps to, again, support the body from the ground up. And I think that in conjunction with cannabis, I've had a lot of success. If, if, if some people are saying, listen, when I, when I do the cannabis, I get a great response and, and I'm starting to, you know, do a lot better, um, period and taking, you know, these supplements, even if it's only a couple times a day, it's too difficult or it's an added cost. Can we just stick with the cannabis? I think there's a flexibility in that. Unlike with the, with the cancers where it's a lot more, um, you know, uh, we're, we're more nervous about, about affecting the antioxidant, um, capacity of, of, or the prooxidant capacity of CBD when we're dealing with the non cancer diagnosis, there's a lot more, um, I think, freedom to experiment a little bit. And I typically do with the GI stuff. And certainly, as I had mentioned with insomnia, if cannabis, um, you know, isn't able to, to treat that in and of itself, then I'll often add some um, other traditional, uh, you know, integrative functional approaches for insomnia. So again, really not making a, a final decision until I've done, uh, you know, my intake and due diligence with their history before, before kind of going forward with a, a protocol or plan. Yeah. It, I mean, it, both of you are truly pioneering something completely new here, I believe, you know, in terms of, um, in terms of finding what works and what doesn't. And, I mean, does it, does it ever drive you crazy coming from a, uh, being formally trained as a medical doctor where you, you're taught to rely on scientific data? And in this case, you're basically unable to do that because there isn't any like set in stone scientific um, I, study to draw from? I mean, I, I would take exception with that. I, I think that my background as a, as a clinician and, and, and uh, a traditional medical doctor where I utilize the medical literature uh, to, to help me and guide me with my patients, I do that, I do that every day. I, I find the preclinical data that, that uh, is available and extrapolate that data uh, for my patients with cannabis. I, I, I do the preclinical cannabis data and, and utilize it to, to construct therapeutic protocols. And, and uh, uh, so, so it is, it, it is science-based based on the best science available today, but not, not at the same level as a clinical trial. We just, we don't have that. Uh, but it's the best, it's the best science that, that I think anyone could, could utilize. And I, 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 but when I get a new patient with a, with a diagnosis, uh, of, of a cancer that I'm not, that, that I don't see every day or, or, or see frequently, I search the medical literature to find what, what has been written, what research has been done. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, some, some scientists take the cells from the cancer and do experiments on them. And I, I, I utilize all of that literature to, to help me, to help guide me in, in, in deciding what to do with the patient. For example, yesterday I, 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 I consulted with uh, the, the sister of a patient 
in Argentina. Uh, the sister was in this country, and she, her, her brother has um, has hepatocellular carcinoma and 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 um, uh, cirrhosis and hepatitis C. And and so I utilize the data. I know that CBD has antiviral activity. So the usual protocol that I that I might use for a patient with hepatocellular carcinoma, I amplified because of his active hepatitis C. I gave more CBD uh, in, in, in the therapeutic protocol because he also had cirrhosis, which was influencing his condition, I, I bumped the CBD up even further. So the, the protocol that I would use for a patient who, who had just hepatocellular carcinoma was different uh, for, for this patient. Uh, and, and it was all based on the scientific literature, what, what is available. Right. See, and, and you, you actually um, helped me to articulate, you know, my thought there because you know, what I'm trying to say about what you are doing is that you are sort of forging a completely new scientific path that hasn't already been um, written in that same way as, you know, just traditional medicine where you know exactly what dose for this, for this particular disease and all of that. I mean, you really have to work with your patients to find the right course of action with a whole new science that hasn't been, you know, you, the book hasn't been written yet, really. On, it's not, interesting on you, should, you should say that because I'm going to write the book. Good, okay. <laughs> I'm going I'm to write the book. Uh, th this fall, I'm taking off three months uh, with the intention of putting down as much of this information as I can uh, uh, into book form. And... Uh, yeah, it's. I I think that that is just so needed right now. Um, from a from a perspective of the, um, of the physician, <laughs> you know, to get it all on paper is really fantastic. And you know, I was just so enthralled with the research that that Mara was doing, and you know, her ability to, um, to basically process all of this data and record. Um, and record like the the protocols that she's discovered with her you know working with patients um, by trial and error and you know now with all of the things that you're doing at Cali Spring Wellness I mean it's it's really truly impressive and I mean you could certainly consider yourselves complete pioneers in this regard I think So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I just I, the one thing that I, I would say as far as the the the, um, you know, the the wealth of information behind traditional allopathic medicine, this idea that every time a patient comes in and has a diagnosis, there's a discrete treatment protocol protocol and it's going to work for everyone. You know, for someone with a urinary tract infection, they go into 10 doctors, they're more or less going to get uh, an option of one or two different antibiotics. For a lot of other things, it's it is not that clear cut. I mean, diabetes being one example, will we'll typically, a lot of people will start with one medicine, maybe it's going to be metformin, but then how people respond to the dietary and lifestyle changes. And then if that doesn't work and the, and the disease progresses, you know, the, there isn't like a, a one-to-one -one thing of like, if this, then that, um, for the diabetes medication, oncology is another perfect example of that. It is very much, um, you know, there are places that they start, um, but then there's also a lot of, of, um, you know, experimenting and changing 
changing to see how people respond. And so I think that that's the art of medicine that um, has been a little bit more obscured in the last 15 or 20 years. But I think that this is one of the things that I think that Dr. Joe and I really appreciate about the, the cannabis medicine. It really you know, brings the clinician back into the picture as far as being able to tabulate all the information you have. And then with that, and by staying abreast of the current studies and, and seeing what um, uh, options the patient has in front of them, really um, uh, collating all that into uh, a best practices for that person in front of them. And so instead of it being an evidence-based medicine that's really based on population, right, these drugs pass through the um, FDA and it's based on, you know, you know, usually hundreds, if not thousands of patients, um, but those aren't individuals. And I think one of the things that's happening in medicine in general, certainly functional medicine is addressing this a lot, is that, that, that populations are not people. And what you really need to do as much as possible is get that individual history in front of you, maybe examine some of their genetics, really dig into their, into their history and their diet and lifestyle so that you can make a very appropriate and personal recommendation on the best way to proceed forward. And I think that cannabis has just been a beautiful um, window into that opportunity. Yeah, no doubt. I, no doubt. I, I totally agree with that, Harry. And it, it brings to mind uh, the... the um, there are a lot of people that think that that one size fits all that that everybody should take a gram of 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 indica a day and and their cancer will be cured in in 90 days and then they're done with it and that is that is a total myth as as you know that that we, the there is no one size that fits all different different tumors require different ratios of of cannabinoids and and uh most of the people that derive benefit from the cannabis will also derive benefit from maintaining some level of cannabis intake uh, uh, in an ongoing process and for a long time or, or, or maybe even indefinitely in order to keep the cannabis, the, the cancer that was controlled by the cannabis under control forever. So right. there is no 90-day regimen. There is no one size fits all. That those are all myths. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm I'm getting the signal that it's it's time to wrap it up. But um, wow, this has been an enlightening conversation. Thank you so much. Um, we have a lot of uh, a lot of work ahead of us. I think you know in this industry to kind of you know catch up with what the body will will actually how the body is going to respond to all of the different protocols that are being discovered as we speak and it's exciting it's an exciting time to be doing this isn't it absolutely yeah you bet yeah well thank you again to to both of you i really appreciate it and um it's unfortunately time to say goodbye but no doubt i'll be speaking with each of you again sometime in the near future and i'd love to follow up with um any of the uh, articles or research that you're doing and of course dr joe your book i'm really looking forward to um i'm looking forward to seeing that come out i think it'll be you know something that'll help so many people so anyway that's it for us today at The Cannabis Reporter. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop. I'd like to personally say thank you again to my guests, Dr. Joe Goldstrich and Dr. Harry McElroy for sharing their insights and knowledge with us today. If you'd like to learn more about the work they do at Calispring Wellness, 
please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com and click broadcast to find today's episode. I will post their biographies and a link to the website. I'd also like to express our deepest gratitude for our radio sponsors, hempmeds.com and HealthTerra. We could not be doing this without you. And thanks again to Dr. Brian Donner for our Medical Marijuana Minute update. He'll be back again next week with another edition. And of course, it goes without saying how much we appreciate our engineers here at Star Worldwide Networks for making us shine. And I'd like to say a particular thank you to Sedona, who is our producer today. Um, always nice to be working with such amazing people here. Last but not least, thanks to all of you for listening. Tune in again next week, same time, same place, for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. And until we meet again, stay safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. Evergreen is calling, evergreen is always where I feel You're busy running around from work to kids to evening events. Healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with HealthTerra for only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids. By the way, you can eliminate doctor office visits with 24/7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. HealthTerra.com. Are you getting enough CBD each day? HempMeds carries the most trusted CBD oil brands like Real Scientific Hemp Oil and Dixie Botanicals to make it easy to add cannabinoids like CBD to your diet. We hold all our hemp oil products to our rigorous triple lab tested standard to ensure that you and your family receive only the highest quality and most reliable CBD products. HempMeds is your trusted source for CBD. Visit hempmeds.com to get our premium CBD oil today. Use discount code CBD20 to get 20% off your first order.